Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. Welcome to Florida Matters. I'm Steve Newborn. Housing is becoming harder and harder to afford in the Tampa Bay area. As the region sees explosive growth, residents are dealing with soaring rents. Others are finding it difficult to buy a home. On today's show, we continue our look at housing affordability. We'll hear from Tampa Bay residents sharing their experiences in a tough rental market. Our producer, Denora Prevost, spoke with all of them over Zoom. WUSS Bradley George also talks with a legal aid group that's helping tenants across Tampa Bay. First up, we'll hear from a Lakeland resident who's been able to stay in his apartment, but says his rent jumped hundreds of dollars recently. Polk County, where Lakeland is, has seen big growth in the last decade. The region centered around Lakeland and Winter Haven is one of the fastest growing metro areas in the country. Hi, my name is Dave. I live in Lakeland, Florida. Since 2009, I've been here, and I was always fine with an average 3 to 4% rent increase, $30 to $40 a year. I could do that. Two years ago, I was really surprised. They wanted 125 Whoa. And then uh, I tried to negotiate, and they got it down to 90 The most recent lease offer came in October for my lease renewal in December. Uh, it, was, it was up $153. Now, that was an 11% increase, and they sent that up by putting a note in my door. I spent two weeks going all the way up the corporate ladder, seeing if they could just drop it a few dollars. And I just got no all the way up. And when I said, okay, well, I called the office, go ahead and do the lease. And they said, oh, well, the rents have gone up since we gave you that offer. And I said, well, it doesn't affect me. I've, you've, I've got the paper you sent me right here on my table. She said, oh, well, uh, you, we didn't send you the email link, did we? I said, so I just filled out that form. I scanned it, PDF'd it sent it back to the office and they honored it. But here's the thing. So my 153 increase, which I was, you know, really upset about, turns out that I got a good deal because within two months, the rent has gone up an additional $350. Compared to a lot of people, I'm really fortunate because I still have enough to stay here, but uh, I've already cut out everything that I can possibly do. All the money goes to housing, to transportation, car repair, and gas and uh, food. I like it here. I'm fine with it. I looked in maybe, okay, how do I get rid, how do I get ahead of the curve here? Well, let me look into getting maybe a house. And we know how crazy the housing market is. So even with some good income, some retirement income, still not enough for housing. You and I are talking about it. It's been all over the place. It's on the evening news. Where are the politicians? Where are the senators, the congressmen? About three, four weeks ago, I talked to the assistant of one of my congressmen, Florida people, and they said, well, they're in session right now. I don't see how any of this uh, could maybe get addressed till the next session, which doesn't start until March or April of 2023. Are you kidding me? That's, that's insane. As far as I know, Florida state law prohibits any rent control. There, there's got to be something. Oh, but if there was a state of emergency declared in some form or another, they could do some restrictions on rent increases. What I'd like to see would be some kind of, use the word fair, fair rent increases tied to 
cost of living and inflation. I mean, some people weren't able to pay their rent during the pandemic. I was. Some people were able to get rent assistance. Some landlords were able to get assistance or between the two. So I understand they might have had some struggles, but does it justify a $500 per apartment unit within their complex every month, $500 more? Have their expenses gone up that much? People at the in the office say, well, we just figure most people can afford it because there's usually two income households. Well, what about someone who's a one income household? Next, we hear from a Hernando County woman who moved from one town to another to secure a place to live. Hernando is a rural county and one of the smallest in the region by population size, but she said it took her months to find a new home. My name is Rosemary Gruba. I live in Spring Hill. I've been living in my current um, home for two years. Uh, at Christmas time, my landlord told me his adult children had to move back home, and so I had to look for an apartment. My sole income is Social Security. Real estate people want you to have three times the amount of rent in your monthly income. There is nothing in my price range. There don't exist houses that cheap. It's been a real stumbling block because I've talked to some places that wouldn't even talk to me because my income was so low. We don't have much affordable housing up here in Hernando County. We have had the lists closed for four or five years with maybe two or three days a year where they open up. And sometimes you don't get a notice that the, that the line is open. And if, it's, if they're not open, they don't even answer their phones. There's no way you can make an application if it's closed. Even if you get on that list, the time to wait is several years. Here in Hernando County, we closed several low-income communities entirely. And we substituted a smattering of subsidized houses in upscale communities. We don't even build starter homes. Everything that's being built is being built for the affluent single or the, the affluent retired person. Our county seems to think that only affluent people are coming here and belong here. You know, they, they don't have any respect. And, and this is from personal experience. Our county commissioners, our elected officials on almost all level have no respect for their constituency. They don't care. They closed the low-income housing. Why weren't they negotiating with all of these people who were clamoring to build their fancy apartments to have affordable housing in those, those communities? And in desperation, I went to a friend of mine who's also in a similar situation and said, let's combine our assets. We could not find anything where they would take people with two minimal incomes and allow us to rent their home. So I'm moving from Spring Hill to Brooksville. It's a dilemma that's going to have to be addressed because that's untenable. How long can a society keep working forward when half of its people can't even keep themselves alive every day? That was Rosemary Gruba from Brooksville in Hernando County. You'll hear more from Tampa Bay residents on their recent experiences with finding housing later in the show. You're listening to Florida Matters. Our work and the conversations we bring you each week on Florida Matters are made possible by generous listeners who support WUSF. Here's how you can join. This is Florida Matters on WUSF. I'm Steve Newborn. This week, we're continuing our coverage of housing affordability in the Tampa Bay area. 
Florida law favors landlords. Organizations like Bay Area Legal Services help tenants who are fighting off eviction or struggling to pay back rent. Tom DeFiore is an attorney with the group. WUSS Bradley George speaks to him via Zoom. Give our listeners a sense, maybe people who aren't familiar with Bay Area Legal Services, just tell us about what you do. Sure. We've been in uh, Tampa for coming on 60 years. I think 1967 we started. So we provide free civil legal services to residents in the area as opposed to criminal services. So that's the public defender. We provide civil services in different cases. We're not required to take a case, unlike a public defender, so we have some discretion in cases we take or don't take, but we represent generally low-income people in civil matters, civil meaning housing law, family law, public benefits sometimes if they're denied that, consumer issues, and so forth. For the tenants you work with, what are some of the common issues that they face? At this point, a lot of the common issues that we're seeing are obviously an inability to pay the rent. But a lot of what we're seeing is people that our leases are ending. And when their lease ends and there's a typically a large rent increase because of the market, the low inventory, the high increasing prices, inflation, and so forth. So that's the big challenge we see with a lot of people. Even if they're able to get caught up when their lease ends, they may not be able to afford a renewal or may not even be offered a renewal. So that those are people with leases. The other category of people that we see a a lot of are month-to-month tenants. So in Florida, there's a lot of tenants and tenant agreements that are month-to-month, and those can be ended by the landlord on a 15-day notice on any month without any particular reason given. So there's no need for cause to evict somebody in most cases. So if a landlord lease ends and you become a month-to-month tenant or you're a month-to-month tenant anyway, 15-day notice, you can be removed from the property if you don't leave at that point. How are you finding it working with landlords and property managers over the last two years, given what everything people have been going through? Are they more kind of sympathetic and willing to work with folks? Or do you find that, okay, uh, the people who are in rears, the people who aren't paid up, I just want to get them out from under my feet and get somebody who's willing to pay and pay higher rents for, for my property? We have both of those. So it's both ends of the spectrum and everything in between. The landlord that says, hey, I'm willing to work with rental assistance even though this person's lease is out, we're willing to give them you know, three or four or five months or renew their lease as long as their rent gets paid up and, we'll, and our office will help you know, navigate them through rental assistance and work out a settlement. That's the ideal case for a tenant. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the COVID fatigued landlord, I guess is a good term for them. They're tired of waiting for their rent. They're tired of not getting paid. They didn't get paid during the CDC declaration and moratorium. They want a fresh start with new tenants. They want to raise their rent to where the market's at. Quite a bit of that as well. You mentioned earlier on in our conversation, people who are arrears and maybe they're they're kicked out of their current housing. And then you kind of end up in the situation of where people have got to find a place to live. Given the way the rental market is right now in much of the Tampa Bay region, that's uh, going to be a difficult proposition. If they're having trouble paying for their current property, they're probably not going to find something affordable anywhere nearby. Not only that, if they have an eviction filed against them, they've gotten behind and it's gotten to the point where they actually got an eviction filed in county court. You know, that's on the public record. That's almost an automatic strike three in terms of trying to get housing at this point in this market. So yes, it's a very tough situation for tenants, especially those 
you know, that were not able to catch up arrears and, you know, had a court proceeding against them. Even if they did leave with a clean record, if I had to go look for a place to live right now, you know how difficult that would be for somebody that's making above average income. I mean, even seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year, it's not so easy to even find a place, which highlights the bigger issue, which is, you know, the affordable housing. I don't like to throw around the word crisis, but I would say it probably is one in this area from what we're seeing, not just for low income people, but for middle income, even higher income people. It's, it's just a, a very, very tough situation. I wonder, too, for people who maybe are on the edge of ending up with an eviction that goes into the court system, even if you're able to come to a resolution. We've seen this happen in other instances with different issues where, you know, somebody gets a, you know, their name gets into the court system, into a database somewhere. They have a resolution. They think they have a clean record. Maybe they, they're in a better place financially. They try to move into a different apartment mm-hmm. and something comes back where, oh, there's a, an eviction on, on your record. Are you seeing any, any situations like that? Absolutely. So there is no legal procedure in place to expunge or seal or basically get rid of a, a filing of an eviction from the public record. I think there's been some attempts to do that with COVID. Nothing has really made it, you know, in terms of law. I often say this to my clients, it's sort of the equivalent of, well, if you go to court and you assert your rights and you win the case, that's the equivalent of, well, have you been convicted of a crime? Well, no, I won in court, but you were arrested, weren't you, right? So that's, of course, not what somebody, a prospective landlord will say, but they'll see it there. So the damage is done by the filing, which is why, you know, when we're involved in a case, our first and foremost thing is how can we prevent the eviction from being filed? Because we know that that filing of it, even if you know it later is dismissed, is still going to cause some damage. So if somebody out there is listening to our conversation and maybe they're reaching a point or they already are in a point where maybe they're going to get behind on rent or they already behind on rent, what is the first thing they should do to protect their rights and stop an eviction? Okay. So in terms of silver linings, we do have rental assistance, which is, you know, the pre-COVID, there was almost, I think maybe one month from the county was all that was available. Now, as most people know, or maybe they don't know, we can inform them, there is rental assistance that has been come from Washington, D.C., that the two big programs in Florida, in Hillsborough County is the R3 program. If you just Google R3 rental assistance, you'll find that. Also, Our Florida, O-U-R Florida, is a statewide uh, rental assistance. So this has been something that we've really been able to have some success in people that are behind on their rent and have an arrears and want to get caught up. The earlier they get involved with rental assistance, the more likely the chance that you know they can work something out with their landlord. So that would be first and foremost. I will say that if you go to our website, there's a link for rental information on emergency rental assistance. Our number is 1-800-625-2257 or go to our website and you can get information about that. If you actually get an eviction summons or you're getting notices, I would also say to call our office, but talk to your landlord, try and work out a payment plan. If it's just strictly a matter of you don't have the money because you don't have the income or you lost a job, there's not a lot of protection under the landlord tenant law for that. Certainly we can uh, review your situation and, and we do represent people in court in particular cases, not every case that comes in, but, and certainly at a minimum, file a response within five days of when you get the summons, if you get served with an eviction. Because if you don't, you'll get defaulted immediately. 
That was Tom DeFiori, a housing attorney with Bay Area Legal Services. Last, we'll hear from a hospitality worker who lives in St. Petersburg. She moved to the Tampa Bay area from Miami in 2020. She says that while there are more rental options in St. Pete, the market is still expensive for low- and middle-income residents. Pinellas County, where St. Pete is located, is the most densely populated county in the state. Most of the land has been developed, leaving few options to build new housing. Hi, my name is Tanya Kleisler, and I live in St. Petersburg. I moved here in uh, August of 2020. So I was living in the southern sector from downtown St. Pete, and now I live just north of downtown. But um, it's just the way that it went that was a bit hectic and unpredictable because everyone around here can see and feel that the housing market, even for rentals and not just for uh, purchasing, has gone up drastically. I feel it might be especially hard for people like me who are on a one-person income and working in things like maybe hospitality and uh, services. There aren't enough apartment buildings that have a suitable price range, anything even outside of downtown. I was looking all the way up by Gandhi and they keep building these apartment complexes. They also have like gyms there and maybe a pool, but those are always starting at maybe 1300 and then you have deposit fees and administration fees and it's just not feasible for somebody on an income like mine who's going to have to pay half of my income for rent and most places actually they are requiring proof of income and how much you make a month to approve your rental agreement because they want you to make at least three times the amount of rent. Now I'm in a what's called a garage apartment and I pay 1115 a month with everything included. That's the electricity and water. So I don't have to worry about those charges. But so many people are moving to Florida and to St. Pete that things get snatched up in a day, in 24 hours once they go online. I was looking on all those and also the property management websites and visiting places and within my budget there wasn't a lot of uh, suitable housing unless I wanted to get a roommate or live in somebody's extra room that I'd never met before that also needed extra income and was renting out a room in their house. That was Tanya Kleiser from St. Petersburg. And that's Florida Matters for this week. Denora Prevost is our producer. I'm Steve Newborn. Thank you for listening. We rely on your contributions to bring you in-depth conversations about news and issues in the Tampa Bay region. Here's how you can support WUSF. 